Well, welcome everybody to the Think Education podcast, another one in the series of our International Voices collection, selection, collaboration. I'm not sure what the correct word would be, uh, but um, we're delighted to have uh, a colleague, uh, Jezreel Go today um, to talk to us about her experiences and reflections of international higher education. My name is Chris Hill, and as ever, I am joined by Professor Judith Lammy, who will um, do the formal and official uh, welcome and introduction to, to Jazreel before we begin our conversation. So, Judith, over to you, please. Thanks very much, Chris, and uh, great, to, great to hear you again, and great to have, have a chat with you, Jazreel. Thank you so much, um, Thank you so much for joining us. As uh, as Chris has said, this is part of our um, international uh, uh, voices, professional voices uh, selection. And I don't think we could have many people that are better than Jazz will go to uh, to join us for this uh, for this session. Um, Jazz will I could probably spend thirty minutes introducing you. You'll be relieved to know that I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm just going to give a short, short introduction and then, then, then sort of um, ask you a question and hand over to you and we'll, we'll have a chat. But in many ways, and um, I think the good thing with the podcast is I can embarrass you and you know you can't, you can't say this. Um, she could hang up, up though. She could hang up. Embodiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't hang up, Jeffrey, don't hang up. Um, you embody international higher education, I think, in so many ways, you know, I mean... Obviously, you you were born in you were born in in Malaysia, and completed your secondary schooling in in Malaysia, uh, and then uh, in in Singapore, and then you went on to do further studies in in Melbourne in Australia, uh, where you graduated with a, a Bachelor of Arts from from Monash University, and I think that that in itself, that short little segment there, is a real illustration of you know your uh, internationalisation footprint. Um, I think probably, Jazz, really, it's safe to say that a lot of people in international higher education will know you from your time in the British Council in, in China. Uh, and I know that you joined there in, in 2004 and, you know, just had so many things that you, you developed during your time, you know, in, in the British Council there. Um, you work with, obviously, colleagues across the globe, including my myself, when at that time I was at the University of Birmingham, but I know then I worked with you when I moved to the University of Leeds and and so on. You know, I think you really managed to um, bring together so many of us across the, the international higher education sector in terms of how we were engaging with and working with with China. Uh, in 2011, you, you set up the British Council's uh, Education in Intelligence Unit, which was the, the first sort of e-marketing platform dedicated to international education research, um, you know, and, and I think something that was hugely uh, influential uh, and really um, was something that, that affected so many of us and helped so many of us, you know, internationally. So many other things you've done, and I'm sure that we're going to touch upon a number of, of, of these jazz rules as we chat about your thoughts and reflections on international higher education. But I, sh I should at least, um, final two things, say that you were awarded an MBE in 2017 for your services to UK education in, in China. 
And finally, you, you returned to Malaysia in September um, 2020 to take up the role of director for the British Council um, in Malaysia. But still, I know, get uh, a lot of questions regarding anything to do with British Council in China um, as well and globally. So we're just we're so delighted to have you here with us to today, uh, Jazreel, as I say, just to share some of your thoughts and and reflections on international um, HE. Uh, maybe if I now could could just pass over to you, uh, Jasril, to, to maybe just provide some initial thoughts and reflections on your time since lockdown, since COVID. You know, really, you know, what what have been the few things that, that you've been doing at, the, at that time and, and what changes do you think, you know, potentially really, you know, started to be accelerated due to what was the, a major event for so many of us? Um, well, thank you. And hello, Christopher. Hello, Judith. Uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for the complimentary, <laughs> very, very complimentary uh, introduction of myself. I, um, I, well, well, let me start off by saying that I, uh, I never thought, um, I never thought I work in international education. Um, it, it it just happened, and um, I'm I'm really really appreciative of the opportunity I had to uh, to study uh, at, in different countries, to work uh, uh, in in many other countries, and actually to be exposed uh, to what what I feel is um, an industry that actually changes every individual's life. Um, uh, so significantly. If it's not for that experience, I, I'm not sure if I wh where would I be. But I'm, I'm so grateful to be uh, where I am today um, because of that that international education opportunity. So, um, what 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 are my thoughts and reflections since COVID? Well, um, I I think the first thing was. Um, I, I, for me, the, the, the thing that didn't change throughout COVID is uh, every student and every parent's intention or desire to continue to pursue um, quality education wherever they are. And uh, it's absolutely amazing to see uh, so many parents and, stu and students in particular persevere with uh, their, their, their decisions to, to want to continue their study, whether it's, it's over uh, at home via digitally or, or even, um, you know, making their, um, their, their way uh, out of their country uh, in, into, into a different country just, just to study. And, and, and so for me, at a time when everybody's really down, very preoccupied with the pandemic, uh, very, very, you know, even mentally affected because of the lockdown um, implemented in all countries, the, the fact that uh, education and the pursuit for international education remain kind of very focused for, for, for all our students. I think that's really, really amazing. The second thing was how much, how quickly um, uh, education providers pivoted to digital 
and a blended model to support their students. I mean, that that to me, um, and, and having to go in international education for so long, uh, uh, where, where things um, move fast, but when it comes to changing ways of teaching and ways of delivery can take a very, very long time. The fact that, uh, you know, all institutions could pivot to digital so uh, quickly uh, was simply amazing. And it, it kind of, it, it, it kind of, that, that inertia, um, uh, I, I think sets a new kind of uh, a, a benchmark in terms of um, delivery model and sets a kind of a, a direction as well for 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 the future of this industry. And for, and, and the, the the third thing I think um, uh, which I I, I feel uh, you know sitting here in my in my in my in my at, at home in Malaysia working through is how much. Uh, in every conversation I had with institutions, uh, with stakeholders, how much of a priority it was to focus on the student experience and to focus on the support of the student. And for me, I think that's really amazing, uh, given the fact that, you know, um, everyone, everyone has to worry about how, how do we manage digital learning, how do we manage the student experience, and at the same time, the the, the, the a lot of time was given to supporting students' health, supporting uh, safety and supporting uh, how, um, you know, arrival of students and things like that. And, 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 and that's really, for me, that, that those things, I think the sector coming together um, um, is, is, is what, uh, if, I, if I look back retrospectively, it's, it's, it's been amazing that, that teamwork that we've got within that sector. <laughs> mm. That's great. Thanks so much, um, Jasmine. There's a lot, lot to, to pick up on um, there. I'm going to pick up on, on, on one of those things before maybe passing over to Chris, I'm sure, to mention something else. Really interesting that you mentioned at the beginning about parents, you know, something that um, Chris and I have been talking about a little bit as well, uh, are not only students and, you know, students' role in the um in the recruitment process and in the desire for higher education and, and keenness to, to go overseas, but the, the pivotal role of, of parents within that. And an interesting, your comment, that the desire for education, you know, you really noted that that didn't, that didn't change a huge amount, even though there, was, there were clearly, you know, the challenges that we had around the around the, the, the COVID period. Bringing the two points, your points one and two together though, and thinking of you know the speed with which, as you say, higher education institutions aren't usually very well known for the speed with which they move to do with anything, quite frankly, even if you're ordering sandwiches. So to, to actually manage to, to switch to an online model and then, a, and then sort of probably morph into a blended model was, was, was as you say, pretty impressive. Um, how do you think parents in particular have viewed that? You know, do you think, therefore, then that, um, you know, that the, the parents of students want to maybe potentially retain some of the opportunities for online and blended study so that maybe some of the students can stay at home more rather than go overseas? I mean... What, what has been your thought there? And do they think that, that it is a quality offer? Well, I, I think, to be honest, I, I think um, 
parents and uh, all, all parents and students want quality uh, education. And by that, the definition, I, I think you have to think of it. I, I think you have to look at it from two, two, two views. One is um, definition of quality is uh, about um, recognition. It's about uh, ex acceptance of the degree. Uh, it's about graduate outcome. It's about that the experience of the student. And the second one is actually, if you, if, 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 the second one is actually on the student themselves going through the blended learning. And, um, and, and for me, I think parents, both parents and students were thinking that this is temporary. I think no, no, all parents or students that I've spoken to would, did, didn't want this to be, that's, that's how I want my kids to go through their education, especially in higher mm -hmm. education. Because I, I think for a lot of parents, uh, uh, especially sending their kids overseas or even, you know, going to local universities, it's not just about the, the it's actually about uh, an experience for their kids as well. It's about engaging with other other. Uh, students. So um, none, none of the parents and students I spoke to wanted it to be like this forever. Uh, only, only one group that I'm very aware of were very happy with the blended approach, and that were uh, that uh, and that group were particularly the the what are, what we call the adult learners, the the mature uh, students, perhaps those who are who already have family or already working or or, or studying part time. They really uh, appreciated that that. But uh, most full time students um, um, re really wanted to go back to campus very quickly. Chris, I don't know whether you want to you want to to jump in here. As uh, I know that the micro credentials and online, in particular, is something that uh, you've done quite a lot of work on in the past. Yeah, no, I mean, thanks, for, thanks, Judith, and, and I mean, really interesting to to hear uh, that sort of part of the conversation that you've given us, Jezreel. You know, in, in terms of the the parents, I, I think it's it's a really interesting area because. You know, I mean, I think we're all in agreement that the speed with which not just universities singular, but universities globally changed, it was uh, ridiculous. I mean, that, that will never happen without a global pandemic. I mean, it's, it's just it's unheard of. Um, and and also changed thinking also about things like accreditation and recognition and, you know, uh, engagement. And so. Obviously, there was the the first term where it was just panic and, and it was just, well, let's just see what we can do to, to make it to April or whatever it might be. And then the summer might, you know, sort things out. But with the two or three terms iterations afterwards, I was curious what your your thoughts were on what's happening now. Because, I mean, I, I, I've heard stories, that, you know, like yours, um, that... If it's temporary, it's okay. But obviously, the the student experience, the you know, the campus life, the that sort of socialization, and I've heard a lot as well about um, the more mature learners who who actually, in many cases, prefer online to campus because of the flexibility. And we know that one of the dangers is treating all student groups the same everywhere because clearly there are massive differences in what they want and what they enjoy. But we're we're seeing you know a lot of countries reverting back to full-time face-to-face and saying, you know, there is no more online. Online is now basically removed from the curricula. It has to be face-to-face. -face. Online is not real. And yet it was obviously very real during COVID and not real before COVID. So that's kind of an unusual 
I've just seen a story, I think, coming out of Hong Kong where lectures of 100 or more will be online, but seminars will be face-to-face. And so, you know, there's many different models sort of going around. I'm wondering, maybe just coming out of your reflections in Malaysia, what is there any, you know, thoughts on what's happening now? You know, are people happy with hybrid? And again, when I say people, it's such a huge generalization, it might be a difficult thing for you to, to answer. But, you know, your reflections on what's happening I guess we can legitimately say post-pandemic, certainly in, in, in the way the education system is being run. I know that there are many countries with restrictions still in place, but um, how, how do you see the, this sort of reversal um, after the pandemic? Is that impacting student movement or student you know, interest? No, I, I, uh, okay, I, I think uh, demand for international education is definitely still there. And uh, the, uh, particularly, I think uh, uh, the 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 desire to uh, experience a different culture, to live overseas, those things are definitely still there. The the the, the or, let, let's go back. Maybe should should I use the word the original motivation, mm. <laughs> whether it's COVID or or, or pre, pre, now post COVID, it's still the same. You know, it, it's not changed. Okay, but the I think the possibly you will see that there's a slight kind of shift in in accepting the fact that perhaps a blended model um, uh, is 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 it's not so bad. Mm. I think with some students, particularly when it comes to uh, large lectures and things like that, I I think students are more receptive to the fact that that perhaps can be online. You know, they they even if they are overseas, they can still do it. Um, uh, wherever they are, they don't have to go on campus. But um, uh, it's it's not a full time online option. is is not to me. It's not something that students want or desire, or even parents they want that. Sure. They 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 want the experience, but they they don't mind. I think the the I I think gradually people are accepting the fact that some things we can do hybrid, some things we can do online. And that's naturally I think a good thing. A better use of uh more effective use of time and more effect, effective use of technology. Um yeah, but however I think universities needs to understand that um if 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 they don't want to um if they don't do digital, they don't offer anything digital, and they want to go back to full-time campus, I I think it's more about the fact that um, m- maybe a, a, a minority of groups of students may, may then opt out. I think more interestingly or more uh, importantly is those universities that opt to do blended, that you now need to really think about your digital offer and you now really need to think about the fact that uh, what you did very quickly during COVID, is that is that good enough? Or how do you improve? And how do you ensure that you're, you're not using last year's technology? That kind of thing. I think, I think that's the thing. It's about, it's about keeping up with um, making sure that you are, you're, not, you're not using whatever you have been using on a piece of paper and just translating them directly into digital because that, that kind of experience probably is not doesn't work because students have much more higher expectations of what they want yeah. on a digital platform. And I mean, and that, that comes back perfectly to the point you were making at the beginning, doesn't it? Which is the, whether it's students or parents, they desire quality education. And if, if online provides yeah. quality, then 
that's okay. But if it just provides, I was wondering if I could just ask a, a quick follow up, and this this was something um, I, I sort of got from the reflection piece that you've you've produced, um, and you know, thinking mm-hmm. about your views, thinking about maybe more regional mobility and uh, sort of more engagement there. And I'm I'm wondering, is there a sense that parents and indeed students are maybe more cautious about traveling further from home on the off chance of lockdowns or pandemics or, you know, because they've seen, uh, you know, is there any sense of, you know, I, I want international education, but maybe not that far away in case I need to come home quickly? Or is, is that something that is is just not at all? You know, that's just sort of reading no, no. between the lines. I, I yeah, I don't think so at all. I don't think that 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 I don't think that's the case at all. I I think that the regional mobility side. Uh, I I think there are two uh, reason. One is the fact that we. It goes back to my my the the the, the word that I used earlier is quality, and what we're saying is perhaps regionally there are there are the the. the uh, okay, using East Asia as an example, you're seeing more Asian universities going up the rank. You're seeing mm-hmm. more offers in terms of transnational education. So there is there are offers closer to home. So uh, the consideration is much more uh, one of practical uh, uh, economic uh, consideration. Perhaps it's cheaper to be closer to home and to to study regionally, given that actually some of these universities are very very high highly regarded as well. So that is one thing. And secondly, you will see that uh, if, if you look across um, uh, uh, globally, though, uh, you, uh, 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 there are certain regions where they travel, uh, they, their preference is more uh, regional uh, rather than, 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 than global. So uh, for example, I think Central Asia, for example, a lot of the countries, they do, they just travel interregionally more than they, they go from the east to west and things like that. So, so I think one is about preference. Another one is the fact that as countries develop and as, as they have better higher education offers locally, students may want to stay closer to home. That's really interesting, Jaswala. I wonder if I might, I might ask you as well, Ben, and it, and it sort of connects in, uh, and I'm really also very mindful of where you are, Malaysia, in many ways, the home of the branch campus, you know, and, and I don't know, you might totally disagree with this, and absolutely, of course you can, but I felt pre-COVID that the, the age of certainly establishing new branch campuses or whatever we're allowed to call them now, but anyway, offshoots of potentially your main campus, um, seem to start to be on the wane. There were fewer people doing it. Other modes of TNE seem to be more more popular. And so there are established campuses, of course. But do you think, given what we've just been talking about, though, as well then, and particularly thinking of Malaysia and not expecting you to name names, naturally, um, but do you think COVID in particular has changed the role of the potential branch campus? Do you think we might see a bit more of a resurgence of, of campuses as well overseas? And again, you know, certainly thinking of regional situations and mobility, you know, if, if somebody wanted to go to a university that was overseas but also was on their doorstep, that there might be more, you know, more likelihood of that happening now post-COVID? 
I um I agree with you, Judith. Actually, uh, uh, pre-COVID, I was also uh, just looking at the transnational education market. I felt that. Uh, the branch campus, the full branch campus uh, operations is definitely one that is uh, uh, probably not 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 popular <laughs> uh, 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 amongst uh, uh, institutions setting up. And also for for um, uh, for students themselves, I think it's not something that is. Uh, 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 shall I say? For lack of a better word, maybe not not as popular. Uh, but now post COVID, what what I'm seeing is that uh, what what I'm sensing is that institutions are are thinking again about uh, whether they should they should have um, a presence, be it a full campus or some kind of partnership, and 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 from that, what we're also seeing is actually institutions then reassessing how how. How much of a risk they want to make. So some of them are actually exploring more of a collaborations. For example, um, collaborations between um, UK Australian University in in a third country, or uh, collaborations between two UK universities setting up in a third country. So so they are looking not just about uh, they one university setting up in a, a particular country, but really looking at partnerships to to actually. Um, uh, uh, diverse their, their their risks a little bit, and but and on the other hand, I think that students are also students and parents are also looking at the option of right. If I were to study closer to home, where would that be, and what would offer me the quality, and 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 not forgetting that actually uh, COVID wasn't just a pandemic um, on 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 the on on the you know on our physical side, but actually. Um, there are a lot of repercussions that countries are now having to face, including economic. So, of course, uh, parents will have to consider uh, what is uh, value for money and where where can they make some savings as well and you know, on their investment. So, uh, definitely, that I, I think, uh, especially in, in in countries like East Asia um, and and Malaysia, I think parents would definitely look at whether there are options closer to home first and foremost. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's it's almost like they're um, they're sort of we're looking at the looking at the sort of branch campus model, but but looking at different ways maybe of adapting it and it changing. I guess to as as a as a post COVID you know opportunity in many ways. You say it's almost bringing together, isn't it that that partnership side of it? So mm. you know you you don't. You don't want to do it alone because um, also it, there's more risk if you do it alone. But of course, mm. if you don't do it alone as well, there's more opportunity, albeit more complex, no doubt. But there's more opportunity because you've got a different offer too, haven't mm. you, that you can give. Yeah. And and I would say that actually whatever the model and whatever the, uh, the, the plans are, I, I still believe that um, a period of studying overseas or spending time overseas is, is actually life changing for any every any student. So um, I, I I would I would hope that you know um, uh, and I always encourage students to consider even if it's just one semester or one term uh, to consider going abroad because that that experience is one which is. Um, uh, so invaluable it, it will be something that they, they will take with them forever you know throughout their life and i think any kind of tne partnerships 
should consider that as an as a compulsory option for students. And I guess as we've also, you know, I said in the introduction, you know, you did that yourself, didn't you? You know, you, yes. you went and so, I mean, it's. Uh, I know it was a couple of years ago now, Jasril, when I asked you how long. <laughs> But, but you know, did it has it has it been has it been something that you've carried with you as an experience? Do you think it's shaped, you know, how you've hmm. what you've done? It's, it's it's definitely character building and I would say it it's really shaped all my thinking, it's shaped my my, my views uh, on, on how, how I look at things and um it's um it's something which I think uh you know nobody can take it away from me and it's entirely my own personal experience and I feel that's really um uh, that that's really shaped who I am and how 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 I I I continue to uh, develop uh, uh and, and grow uh, as an individual so so I I I, I I really would encourage every student, you know, if they have the opportunity to spend a little bit of time overseas away from your family and um, to, to, to find out who you are. And, 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 and um, that to me is, is most, is nobody will ever say that um, uh, I got a degree uh, online and, and it's life changing. But anybody, everybody would say I went somewhere to study and that's life changing, I think. So maybe it comes back to your earlier point, um, not only about quality, but also about, you know, the, a blending of the experience that potentially you can do some of it, some of it online, some of it overseas. It will be shaped by your own personal experience, won't it? But as you say, nothing yes. can probably beat that individual on the ground, you know, experience of, of, of going, going somewhere. And mm. even if it can't be for two or three or four years at least if it can be for a for a good a good chunk of time I would imagine you know yes ideally so probably yeah. then <laughs> conscious of the the time that it is in doing and the, the, again the delights of international higher education isn't it you've got somebody in the UK somebody in in, in Dubai <laughs> and somebody in Malaysia um, so I'm all right. It's in the middle of the day for me. I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> it's getting towards the end of their day, seriously. But final, final question uh, for you. Um, where do you, and it's a big one on the one hand, but a couple of sentences, no pressure on the other. <laughs> where do you see international higher education going from this point onwards? Hmm. Very big question. Um, I I think that um, for me, uh, probably three points where where I see international education uh, will will go. I I, I definitely think that uh, uh, the the at least currently. Uh, because of the demand, especially from South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa, you will see that a lot of institutions will probably move from recruitment uh, strategy to selection strategy. And I, I, I think that's because uh, a lot of them are now, uh, because of the number of applications, they, they will look at who should I select 
to, to, to come in rather than, you know, what's my recruitment strategy to get more students. I think the second thing is, uh, in the, this, and this is one is much more longer in Horizon, is that, um, uh, and I hope that uh, this would happen, is actually more students looking at options of micro-credential as well. So uh, basically, uh, uh, can I go to X university to do one subject area, go to Y university to do another subject area, go to Z university to do, only because they, 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 uh, they want to experience uh, different um, universities, different uh, uh, courses, and, and, and um, they want to get the best of everything. <laughs> So that kind of approach. So uh, the flexibility amongst institutions to allow the students to explore this uh, um, and and to really look at collaborations, I think would be uh, would be something that will appeal to students. Mm. Um, and the third one, I I think uh, in terms of international students is uh, international education is is you will see the participation. So. Um, Previously, I've, uh, it's, it's, and, and even up to now, it's been dominated by the West. So predominantly, uh, US, UK, Australia, Canada. Uh, it's, it's very, very Western centric in terms of, uh, if you look at mobility of students and things like over 50% of international mobile students all go to the West. And I would see that in the longer term, you will see more. Uh, and this trend was already showing pre-COVID with students going to uh, China, for example, uh, Japan, Korea, Singapore. But I think you will interestingly see more of uh, uh, other countries coming into play. That's that's fantastic, Dazra. Yeah, really interesting. And actually, probably on that final point, as as you say, you know, the the increase um, in a number of of countries that are now delivering transnational education. You know, there's not just just Malaysia, um, China been a, a very obvious one, but many others too. Well, there's other hubs that are de developing, mm. be it in Mauritius or the aspirations. Obviously, they have in 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 India. So, as you say, that those the, the participation and the importance and the opportunity of other countries and other regions, you know, to be delivering education and to be a key part of it and a destination for students. Mm. Um, as opposed to the, some of the traditional ones will be something that yeah, was probably might accelerate that trend, mightn't it, as we, as we start to move into a post-COVID era. And I think it's, it's, really, it's really fascinating that um, the key points you're raising are, you know, as a result of the pandemic, both groups, you know, universities and, and the student parent, you know, are you know, on the one hand, a lot more selective, right? Because the, obviously, the, as you say, the finances are, are more pressing, the, the travel is different, you know, the, they're a lot more perhaps selective in picking the right thing, picking value for money, and maybe a lot more understanding of what those options are. And the point you raised about, you know, very focused on student experience. And so potentially what we're going to emerge with is a much more focused, relevant, appropriate, value-driven model that you know, universities have a responsibility and an accountability to provide. Students are much more clued in as to what they want and how they want it and what they're prepared to accept, which I mean, gives us the potential for a stronger higher education sector, potentially, right? I mean, it's, it's you, at least the, um, the, the message of hope I'm getting from you is a very, very good one, right? It's, it's a very positive 
um, <laughs> what 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 we could be focusing on. Um, you know, as a result of something very terrible, right? It's it's a it's a very positive um, potential outcome. Um, um, so that's no, that's a very it's a very good way of looking at it. I think. Uh, um, yeah. No, that's that's really interesting. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, th- thank you so much for for joining us, Jazreel, today. We really we really appreciate it. We appreciate your, you know, your thoughts and your reflections and your and your insight and it's it's all it's always great to hear as well you know of, of the thoughts on the ground now you know um of, of of reflections around students around universities around parents around you know agencies and and industries and where we're probably going from this this stage onwards as chris has said you know something that was terribly challenging for everybody in so many different ways there can be some good that comes out of this can't there and there can be some things that have accelerated and some things that we realize that we hold very dear uh, and that are very important to us and continue to be but maybe uh, in in the hurly-burly of life one one can can lose sight of that can't you and and that maybe has made us come back to Chris's point around, around values as well you know, so maybe it's made us uh, reflect on that too. Well, thank you very much. I'm sure that we're going to want to have another chat with you uh, again, Jasper. You've, you've uh, in in proper uh, think education um, podcast fashion, you've raised more questions uh, than certainly we've given answers to. But we're really appreciative of it. It's been fantastic uh, talking to you, and we look forward to to seeing and. Uh, talking to you again in the not too far distant future thank you very much thank you so much judy thank you so much christopher and uh i uh, hope all goes well and uh speak to you all soon <laughs> thank you very much take care <laughs>